WATD presents John Paul, the car doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the car doctor. And good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program, a.k.a. the Car Guy, um, uh, on uh, 95.9 WATD. Uh, we were going to have a guest today. Uh, we were going to have um, the president of Hemmings Motor News, but uh, something came up at the last minute, and he had to cancel. Uh, so uh, we didn't. We don't have that. So we have an hour to talk back and forth. Uh, we can we can talk to Jesse. We can talk to you. Our phone number seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. I know. I know it's a little bit out of sync because uh, you know normally we have this little interview for twenty minutes or so at the beginning of the program, and then people sort of call in afterwards. Well, you can call in whenever you want now. So give us a call at seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred, and we'll talk to you about what's on your mind about cars and car problems and things like that. Or you can call and complain about having to pay for additional cable TV to watch the playoff games. I guess the good thing is the Patriots aren't in it. I don't know. So, uh, But I guess that's a new thing, Paramount Plus now, to watch the playoffs or Peacock or something you got to pay extra for. And I, I don't, don't, I'm not, not a big sports fan. So other than I, I do still enjoy watching NHRA. I, I like drag racing. I don't know, maybe because I have a little bit of attention deficit disorder or something. And I can, uh, you know, the races only take seven seconds. So, and uh, it is kind of fun to, um, to see uh, uh, Brian Loans, uh, an original uh uh, so sure guy doing all this sports talk on uh, NHRA uh, on Fox Sports. So uh, he does he does all the drag racing talk. Also on Motor Trend now, uh, him and uh, Freiberger there they they host a uh, a podcast of sorts. Is it? And I'm still confused. Podcast or video? Are they still podcasts? I, maybe I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, but I think they are. They are. Yeah, they so are. Okay. All right. You do the podcast. Usually the video ones, they'll also upload an audio version uh, to, you know, yeah. your regular podcasting platforms. But I believe Spotify is, for now, the only one that's really integrated video. Like, if you go on Spotify and watch the Joe Rogan show or listen to the Joe Rogan show, like, the video will actually play. Oh, okay. Which All is right. really safe for driving. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, not a great idea. You're absolutely right. So, um, let's talk to Mike and Hingham. Michael. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Good. It, it, you know, I was just talking about you yesterday. Oh, I hope it was good. It was. It, uh, somebody asked me about ceramic coat paint or ceramic yeah. coating for paint. And I said, uh, and I said, this fellow, I know over the radio who's had his cars done, and he's he loves it. He says it's worth the extra money, and he has a car that always looks brand new because of it. Yeah, it's, it's great. Great. I give a plug. I got Cochran up in North Wayne, up in Weymouth. I mean, to uh, to take care of it for me. They did a great job, and it's really. It, I'm looking at it right now. It's reason why I'm calling you, as a matter of fact. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. So, I, here's a strange one. See if you've ever heard this one before. My 2017 Lexus V8. Uh, I was averaging for the last three and a half years about around town about 18 miles a gallon. Yep. which was acceptable to me around town. And right. the highway is much better. Last summer, my mileage dropped. Uh, I'm going to say September. It dropped to about 10.5 to 11 Ooh. 
myofilm. Yeah, I know. So I've had it once up to the uh, Lexus dealer. They're very nice people up there in Hingham. They uh, they took a look at it, so they couldn't find it. So I brought it back. I wrote them a letter, so I have it in file. And the guy did a comprehensive test. Supposedly the best guy up there. And he ran the computer through it and gave all sorts. He said, I can't find anything wrong except for one thing. He said, this is off the charts. He says, the blend of the fuel that you're getting in this car is wacky. We checked the blend. He says, either there's too much ethanol in it or something's wrong with, definitely with the blend on this because it pinged the computer right away. Ever heard of that? I've not in that sense. I've heard of it in octane ratings that that um, more that if someone has a car that requires premium fuel and they either have uh, excessive carbon buildup, poor performance problems, and then they'll say, well, you're using the wrong octane fuel, um, and they'll show it that way. But to show that there's the wrong blend of fuel, that's kind of an, that's an odd one. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm yeah. calling. I mean, I've never heard of a poor. But he has a computer run out. He, he, he circled and said, here's your problem, right? Well, not the problem, but here's yeah. one problem. problem. May, may cause it. And I don't know where to go next. Do you go down to the service station? I mean, I bought my gas at only one place, a Gulf station, down on 3A. I mean, they're a reputable operation. Yeah, I think yeah. Plank, yeah. I mean, the, the different, you know, the there was a time where... Cumberland Farms owned Gulf, yes. and then they sold it. And I don't know what Gulf gas is these days. I know, it might, yeah. It, it might not. I guess the simple thing to do would be, you know, go, you know, go through a few tanks of mobile and so shell I'm, or I'm, something. Yeah, I'm in the middle of that right now. I just wish went over to this a shell station further on down 3A. Yep. And I'm, uh, I'm going to run that. That's what the guy said. Run two or three gallons, see if there's any change. And uh, I'll report back, you know, but it's a bizarre one, I'll tell you. Yeah, that that is because it is one of those things that there can be different. I mean, back when gasoline was gasoline, when it had no additives, yeah. no additives to speak of. And then they and put in... 270. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then they put in... Um, then they put in some additives to keep the air clean, and then they and then Getty, for instance, used ethanol right from the very beginning. They didn't use the other stuff, yeah. the MTBE stuff. And yeah. I remember having a car way back when that um, it was it was it was I think it was even pre fuel injection. But if I was coming down the hill, if I filled up with Getty gas, and I was coming down the hill from where I lived coasting sort of to the bottom of the street my car would stall out and it was a new car it was a new car um but if i used anything other than getty gas no stall and i'm like well this doesn't make any sense to me why i mean gas is at the the, kind of at the end of the day gas is gas where it isn't where it isn't is when if you've ever been standing staring at the gas pump and you see that the octane rating is measured with they they have they have two ratings and they show it divided in half and that gives you the octane. Yep. It's the motor and research methods. So yep. the motor method is where they basically put gasoline in a little gas motor and run it till it pings and they say, well, that's the octane. And then they do a they do a uh, 
uh, I don't know, for want of a better word, word, an algebraic analysis of what it should be like, and that's the other rating. And then they put the two numbers together and divide them in half. And they go, well, that's 91 octane because we that's what it came up with. The problem is the two methods don't always come up with the same octane number. So you can have an octane that on paper looks high, but in reality it's low. So it still has the same octane. It still says because they do research and motor divided by two and come up with the average, you could have a high research and a low motor number come up with the same octane. So technically it's 87, 90, 93, whatever it is. And, but it could perform differently in different cars. And maybe that's kind of what's going on with yours. Maybe. I mean, it's, I, I'm yeah. running, I run 93. I always run, because yep. uh, I can check that at the dealership. They know what you're running. Yep. Yep. Uh, they can check. But he says, the only thing I can see, he said, so I think my plan is to, uh, like I say, run a month's worth of mobile through it, see how right. that works. And I'll report back in. If not, I don't know. I'm gonna, I'll call Lexus out in California. Yeah. Be responsive and see what they say, you know? Yeah. And, and the other, the other thing they might do is, and you'll have to kind of play around with this to get it all to happen. But they might they might say, you know what, we'll send one of our field technical engineers out because this is a weird one, yeah. and we kind of want to see what's going on. So yeah. they, they they might do that too. Okay. Well, listen. Uh, Happy New Year, and thank Happy you very much for taking uh, my phone call. Okay? Absolutely. All right. Okay, John. Bye-bye. Take care, Mike. Bye bye. Just like Michael did, if you want to give us a call, 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. We can talk to you about what's on your mind about cars and car problems and other stuff. Um, the uh, And I should have probably tried to figure a way to go. The Mecham auction in uh, Florida is taking place this weekend. And there's hundreds and hundreds. It's supposed to be the largest auction, car auction I don't know, in the country or in the world or something. And uh, I was noticing some of the pictures. And if you remember back, I don't know, a few months ago, we had the young woman from, uh, she's actually from Florida, uh, Riley, who rebuilds Endelbrock carburetors. And she, to get her name out, she goes around to car shows and she sees an Endelbrock carburetor and she'll say to somebody, um, I'm here to tune your carburetor if you want me to do it. It'll take about 15 or 20 minutes. You'll need to start and stop the car a couple times, but we'll tune your carburetor and make it run better, perhaps, than it did when you drove in here. Well, I noticed she had a picture with uh, Wayne Carini from Chasing Classic Cars. And uh, I guess Wayne had her up on stage at Meekum, and uh, he, uh, he either bought a hot rod or he was in a hot rod, and she captioned the photo with... Um, um, Wayne bought me this new car. He just doesn't know it yet. So um, it looks like she's having a good time. And also, it looks like her and her dad, who was kind of instrumental behind um, her her business here, uh, are going to be doing some kind of a TV show together. So um, like she said once, you know, I always thought all this stuff was all scripted and all made up. And, and in fact, she is going to have her own TV show now. Well, so maybe we'll have to get her back on the program someday to see if um, you know, see if she's not too famous to join us on the Car Doctor program. Maybe that. 
Uh, there's um, Haggerty Media and Haggerty Insurance Company uh, uh, puts out newsletters, I think, just about every week. And it says, uh, and this one was kind of interesting. It says, according to you, how to protect your classic from being stolen. And it says, uh, your answers to our questions about ways to prevent theft of classic vehicles went above and beyond. They not only taught others interesting tricks, but kept us all grounded. That's because car thieves are likely to never tire. And at first, they don't succeed. They'll try again. However, the harder you make it, the less likely they are to remain motivated. Or at least that's what Haggerty says. And uh, so... How do you lower your chances? Uh, somebody says, losing spark of my uh, one uh, on one of my vehicles. I have a hidden switch that kills the spark. The kill switch allows the starter to, tilt, to still turn. It won't fire up. Hopefully thieves get discouraged quick enough when it just sits there and spins over or they draw enough attention to walk away before troubleshooting the wiring. Uh, somebody else puts in, I put in a two-prong uh, turn signal flasher in line with the ignition circuit motor. I don't know what that really means. It's It starts, it'll rev up, but when you put it in drive, it won't pull itself. I guess that means it probably stalls. Uh, somebody said, a uh, guy who goes by the name of Vet Guy, how about running a wire from the hot side of the coil to a switch and then a loud horn? Uh, there are many ways to do it. Uh, a friend of mine had a 1968 Dodge Super B. He wired the high beam switch, which was on the floor, as an ignition cutoff switch and mounted a switch under the dash to activate the high beams. Uh, the person also writes in, I myself had a 1969 Roadrunner that someone tried to steal three times. The first time they pushed in the small vent window, then cranked down the window and opened the door. They removed the bezel around the ignition switch, but... Uh, tried to remove the switch by pulling it forward when all they had to do was push it and it would have fallen out to the back. Some of those do and some of them don't. Some of those old ignition switches, you actually needed to, if you remove the bezel, you needed to put the key in and there was a little um, little hole that you took like a paper clip and that would actually pull the uh, locking part of the ignition switch out and then it would slide through the bezel, but some of them don't work that way. Um, uh, he, they went on to say, I then installed an alarm, so the second time the alarm went off and they were gone, the third time they knew there was an alarm, so they pushed in the vent window again, rolled down the window, climbed through. What they didn't know, there were two ignition switch cutoffs under the dash, unsuccessful again. Somebody said, just buy a really old car that's difficult to steal. Um, I used the standard features of my 1954 Austin Healey. Uh, no exterior door handles, a battery disconnect switch, a starter button, and a manual transmission. Uh, somebody has a 1938 Chevrolet. They say first level is a manual transmission or floor-mounted starter. That would probably slow down some of the bad guys. The battery disconnect with battery under the floorboard may slow down the next level of thief. Um, my van has been the best to turn straight from the factory. Uh, Three-speed manual transmission. My 57 Chevy is a four-speed, but I leave the key in it while it is not in the garage. If they steal it, I'd rather not, them have, have, I'd rather not have them cut up a 65-year-old harness and hotwire it. I don't think leaving the keys in it is a good idea. Uh, a bypass switch is like fool's gold, it says here. Uh, I have a hidden switch in plain sight. It's an unused blower switch on the dashboard rewired to the electric fuel pump hotline. Uh, 
somebody else writes in, but not the same as the one above. I, I pulled the fuel pump fuse before and even cable locked around the coil before anything to make a thief spend more time. Steering wheel locks, uh, like the club, they're not that good. Uh, because what thieves do is they um, they usually cut the steering wheel, which is fairly easy to cut. And then they just take the then they just bend it out of the way and take the club off of it. Uh, somebody wrote to me with um, they saw a cable lock. It was actually kind of fascinating. It was a cable lock that wrapped around the steering wheel, and it actually locked into the seatbelt buckle. And I thought that was pretty novel. Heavy duty cable, um, pretty sophisticated looking lock, but you're still only hooking it up to the seatbelt. And although a lot of seatbelts have a plastic um, covering around the actual cloth part of the seatbelt, you're still hooking it into the seatbelt. So the seatbelt's still made out of cloth, and you cut those fairly easily. So it looks good, and that might be enough to keep people away. Sometimes it's usually just the idea that you make it look inconvenient, and that will work. Uh, people sometimes will use the club-style um, locks because they've had an airbag stolen before. And um, if, you own a, if you own a Hyundai or a Kia and you live in certain areas of the country, apparently the police department were handing them out. Um, again... Go get the if you own a Hyundai or Kia. Go get the um, go get the the anti theft kit installed. It's um, takes about an hour to do. I had the uh, Hyundai dealership down in Plymouth do mine. Uh, went down to Plymouth, made an appointment, uh, walked up the street to some little breakfast place, had breakfast, and uh, that was pretty much it. It was by the time I was by the time I was. Uh, time I was done uh, with breakfast, they were done with my car, so it all worked out. Uh, somebody says they have a Viper alarm on one, car lock on the other. They have an instant phone app. Uh, somebody else said they use Apple AirTag, so if their car gets stolen, they know where it goes. Um, somebody said build a better garage. Uh, so there's, a, there's, and then there's, there's also just the idea of do everything the police department tells you to do. Park in well-lit areas. Um, take any valuables out of the car. Don't leave cell phones, pocketbooks, wallets, things that are out in the open. Even GPSs that still people break into cars and steal them. Uh, do, and lock the car. So lock the car, well-lit area, take the keys. Um, I walked. I walked by the same car three days in a row one day and the woman who owns the car uh keeps her keys locked in where the gas cap where the gas door is so she she um doesn't lock her car apparently and then she just um pulls the gas door release door pops open keys fall out um i guess if you have a problem with you know either other people wanting to use your car all the time and you know put the keys in one spot that's still not a great idea um and I kind of walked by and said, "Oh, now I know. Now I know who, wh where I can borrow a car if I need one." She didn't see the humor in that somehow. Uh, somebody else says they always pull the distributor cap and wires. If you have an old car, I suppose you can uh, park 
in an end parking space against a wall and then turn the wheels in the direction it makes backing out straight impossible. They always set the handbrakes, so if they try to tow the car, it'll be harder to drag up on a uh, flatbed. Um, somebody else said, keep it a secret. I'm not inclined to publicize details, but to say that through various electronic and man- mechanical means, I feel pretty well, fairly confident. I will say that um, they won't steal it. If you're not a wrencher or a DIYer, you may have to pay someone else to install some sort of parts. Um, know your installer. I guess that's good. I guess if you have a very expensive classic car that you're trying to ha- keep from getting stolen and you pay someone to put some sort of kill switchy thing in and they're not reputable they might come by to get your car um so you know some some things some things to think about if you're worried about car theft um the other the other interesting one email that i get and and one of these days i probably should try to get these folks on the program it's called carproperty.com and yeah it's a real estate site of sorts but it's it's houses that are specific to people that like cars. So here's one in, where is this? This is in Massachusetts, I think. And it is a incredible opportunity to own a uh, luxury home on luxury acreage says is country living a luxurious estate 23 filled acres uh big house eight bedrooms but it has an eight car garage so that's you get the idea this is all about this is all about garage space and they have they have um they have a lot of this sort of stuff five car garage with top quality construction six car garage with a workshop uh 2100 square foot garage uh Stunning modern in Atlanta, including a a garage, a 12-car garage with parking spaces uh, uh, in Marietta, Georgia. A car dealership, so if you want to buy a car dealership. Uh, Something called a barn dominium. I'm not sure what that really means, but it says barn dominium with 20-car garage for sale in the Tennessee mountains. So it's... um, it's on a couple acres of land, three-phase electric. It's all underground, um, but it has a whole bunch of cars. So there you go. So you know, th- interesting, interesting sort of stuff that uh, comes comes by way of my email. Um, our phone number again: seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. Let's talk to Tom from Weymouth. Tom, good morning. John, since you're talking a lot, I got an old car in the seventies, nineteen seventy. And there's an alarm in it, J.C. Whitney. Ah! <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you can see it was put in after, but it was done professionally. It's in the wire. It's nice. Yep. It's a little box, you know, two and a half, three inches wide yep. by six inches. And there's a switch there. What does it do? I've never even touched it. The car's unmolested, so yeah. that's the only thing that's in that car since the day. What did they do? It was pro- it's probably it's probably a, it's probably either a kill switch or it's just an open and close switch that that all it really does is um 
probably disconnect the power to the coil or it grounds out the coil. So either there's a 12-volt feed that goes to the coil, so maybe the, all this box is, is a relay that opens and closes that, or on the other side of the coil wire, on the negative side of the coil that goes to the points, they just ran a ground wire, so if you flip the switch, it just grounds it, and no, and the power doesn't go to the points. Right. That That's, you know, I, I've done, but I'm just wondering why I came here to buy that box from J.C. Whitney. You know, what the heck? It was just a relay then, evidently. I don't uh, that, that's that's probably that's that's probably what it is. Um, I don't even want to touch it, you know, because it's just sitting there original-like. Like, I don't want to yeah, touch yeah, and, and it. Yeah, and, sort of, and it sort of makes it, I, w- I would bet it <laughs> makes it... Uh, Makes it just kind of a neat thing. It's kind of like seeing a you know a eight track yeah. tape player or something. You know. Yeah. No. Exactly. That's what it is. Funny you see this thing and it's J C Whitney and that yeah. number in the day. Yeah. That was that was yeah. a book to have, boy. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I and I was pretty sure that J C Whitney went out of business, and then all of a sudden because they changed names, they they were they had a different. They, they. Tr- I guess they tried to get someone decided they needed to be more current or they needed to do something, but there's still, you know, there still is, there still is apparently J. C. Whitney somewhere along the way, and um, you know they, they have what I always liked, and I'm cheating right now. I I used Google to look up J. C. Whitney ads, and mm-hmm. it's like, and one of them is you know for. $39 you could get the Ocean Liner Blast Horn. So oh, yeah. It's, yeah. You know, uh for uh for $2.39 you could get the White Wall kit so you can make your own paint on your own white walls. Yeah. Um Yeah, um you know something something called the Hollywood Muffler which it says gives gives that motorboat town uh tone uh, universal fits all cars. It looks like it just jams in the end of the tailpipe, um, you know. And then there's uh, the, my favorite here is the in-car coffee maker makes coffee in your home, uh, motel, or your car. Operates on 12 volts from the cigarette lighter. No extra mm-hmm. converter required. Everything you need. But the coffee serves up to four persons. Brews up to uh, five <laughs> cups of coffee. Uh, comes complete with two separate cords. One for 12 volts, one for 110. Uh, hmm. Cannot be plugged in wrong. Uh, kit also includes four unbreakable cups, four spoons, um, two plastic-covered cases for cream and sugar, all for the price of $13.95. Wow. Yeah. So. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. But but the idea the idea that you know some of this stuff is uh, you know these uh, you know I don't. I don't buy a lot of magazines anymore, but if I'm in if I'm in an old antique shop or someplace mm-hmm. and I see an old popular mechanics from the fifties or sixties, I'm always mm-hmm. picking that magazine up to buy it because I just love the ads that were in the back. You know, oh, the, yeah. Yeah, you know, the idea that, you know, you you know any day now there was gonna be a flying car or you're gonna be able to make <laughs> yeah. a hover you were gonna make be able yeah. to make a hovercraft out of a lawnmower or something. There was always something there. And, there was uh, always something futuristic, yeah, right, to grab right. you. Yeah, so it it was it, you know it was it was kind of a fun thing. So um, so I don't really know what J C Whitney does now. I guess they still have. 
parts and things, but uh, mm. but yeah. So, uh, but they were. I I can't. Re- I don't know if they were everything auto or anything auto. They 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 either got taken over by somebody else or they bought somebody else, and then and then it kind of went went from there. But the idea that they you know still have you know some of their kind of throwback stuff and you know. Mm. Uh, you know some of their other stuff, but I guess they have they have a magazine now too that you can subscribe to. So, wow, uh, yeah, yep. that was just a great thing in the day because we just had no information about things really, right. you know. Right, and yeah. you sit there looking at all this stuff that you didn't even know really existed. Yeah, yeah. And it no, was, no, and I, you know I, I go ahead. Yep. No, I was going to say, it, and it wasn't really junk on the most part because I had a I had a Jeep in, in 1974, and it needed a top, and I ordered it through J.C. Whitney. Yep. And I think it was at 99 bucks or 100, and if I went to the dealer, it was 300 bucks, and it was fine. Came with the whole setup and everything, you know, directions. I mean, it it was great. It wasn't 100 percent like the, you know, the Jeep. One, but right. Jesus, for ninety-nine bucks, you know, it was it was great. Yeah, no, I know. I did the same. I did the same thing. I had a, uh, I had a uh, an Opal, and uh, I went out and I priced out like the fancy European exhaust system for it, and I ordered the one that was about a third of the price from J.C. Whitney, and yeah, it wasn't the same, but it was, mm. but it did, but it 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 made it sound better and. You know, felt yep. better driving it, and and then at one point in my life, I um, I bought an old Winnebago motorhome, and J C Whitney had all the camping accessories, so I you know took out the the regular uh, light bulbs inside the camper that ran on twelve volts and replaced them all with little fluorescent fixtures so the mm. the the batteries lasted way longer that way because you know you'd have one battery kind of for the house and one for the car and the house battery would last way longer running on fluorescence than it did because um we used to go to some races with it and and watch the races and and you know if you were if you were parked for a weekend you wanted to make sure you had you know enough power to keep everything on inside the inside it so jc whitney had all that stuff and um i i'm sure i'm you know, and now it's you know probably pretty much everybody orders stuff through Amazon. But it was it was sort of fun stuff. And I was going to say I was I went out for a walk the other day with one of my neighbors, and he called this other woman who said, you know, come out for a walk with us. So we went out walking, and we got talking about um, the Sears catalog, and she mm-hmm. has she has at home the very last Sears catalog that ever came out. And uh, I and I said yeah. that's kind of you know I forgot to ask her but I have to think it I have to think it must have been the late sixties maybe and she she said you know I saved it and she said her son actually lives in a Sears catalog house that yeah. was the house you could buy he, down in Connecticut somewhere and she said it you know it doesn't look like it did because they've added on to it a couple of times through different owners, but she said it was original, you know, the original house was ordered through the Sears catalog. Yes, I've heard of that. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so it, yeah. It, it, does, it, does sort of, it does sort of make it kind of interesting when you hear when you hear all of those stories and you kind of wonder about it, and yeah, it's all yeah. Nice. yeah. Well, well, if you really think about it, back then there just was no information, 1935. Right. I yeah. mean, you know, 
and now it's in this explosion, and it's a whole well, and, world and now and now there's you know there's, there's you know once the internet became the internet, obviously that was that was a that was a whole different thing. But prior to that, you know the J.C. Whitney catalog was your connection to car stuff. Sears was your connection to everything else, and you could order all this stuff, and it would just magically show up. You know, two or three weeks later after you after you sent them some money, and and that was that was a that was a pretty, pretty interesting feeling to see this box show up and, you know, whatever it was you ordered was in there, your top for your Jeep. Yeah, I was just talking to somebody about Sears the other day. Sears was just great. I mean, in its heyday, they carried everything. You had a problem with it, no problem, you just bring it back. Sometimes they'd give you a free gift. Just so much, uh, you know, different world. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, well, and, you know, and a lot of... You know, a lot of people when I when I first started as a mechanic, they would be in debt to the Snap-on tool truck. You know, the, and yeah. and I and and the Snap-on guy, you know, I knew him for years and years and years, and and I didn't buy a lot from him. He would stop in and would would chat. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd buy little specialty things. You know, the like. Um, Flare nut wrenches for doing brake work. I don't think there were anything's made as good as the Snap-on ones. They they just never rounded off uh, uh, brake lines with them. Uh, but you know, there's other stuff I would buy from buy from Sears. And you know, the Craftsman stuff back then uh, was was good quality stuff. And you're right. Mm-hmm. You could take you could take a uh, an extension or a ratchet or something that you abuse the daylights out of, bring in yeah. the broken pieces back to the Sears store and say, uh, it broke. And they'd hand you a 20 new. years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I guess, and I've never done it, but I guess, you know, a lot of the hand tools at Harbor Freight also have a lifetime guarantee, Those the Pittsburgh line. And, you know, I have some of their some of their sockets mm-hmm. kicking around here that, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, uh, you know, I, I'm, I think, you know, especially kind of split my time yeah. between, yeah. Uh, you know, Mass and Florida. You know, it's like, oh, I'm never going to need a set of metrics. Uh, wrenches and sockets until I needed a set of metric set wrenches and sockets. And I'm like, well, you know, I have two sets at home. Why didn't I bring them with me? Well, I bought a cheap set to keep here. And they've, and they've yeah. worked out fine. They've worked out yeah. fine. Um, so, but right. you're right. The idea that you could go into Sears and you could buy power tools, appliances, clothes, um, you know, I, 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 I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the stuff. Jewelry, TV. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and when and when all that VHS stuff come in, that was the place you could go and see it, touch it. Fool, I mean. You yeah. Know. No, no. It was. It was. Um, I, I. I think the. I think uh, uh, I, I, even stuff like I think I ordered a bathroom vanity through them or something, and it, and it oh, was. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Um, you know the oh, old yeah. Bathroom yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah remodeling yeah, yeah yeah no the old story was and that you know uh, and I'm going to make it up for plumbing purposes American Standard made all their faucets but they mm-hmm. made them to a different specification than American Standard did mm-hmm. and you know maybe there's some truth to that I I don't you know I don't know um, but I know for instance I I was uh, I was buying a door for my house and I went to uh, I went to uh, Cape Cod Lumber in Abington, and I said to him, you got Anderson doors? He said, yeah. I said, well, I, I bought, a, you know, 20 years ago, I bought a peach tree door here. It's it's time to replace it. 
uh, get an Anderson fiberglass door. And I said, tell me why I should pay $30 more to buy it from you than to go across the street and buy the one at Lowe's that says Anderson, but it also says made for Lowe's. And he said, well, I've heard that the foam inside the door isn't the same. And this, and I said, but the one across the street has an adjustable threshold. Yours doesn't. And I said, and the one across the street is a little bit cheaper. And, uh, and he said to me, I can't tell you what to do. And I said, you know what? I, I said, I said honestly, I'm going to buy it here because um, I like doing business with a smaller business if I have a chance. And I said, how about, you know, how about make me feel good? Take like twenty bucks off the price, so I don't feel like I paid thirty dollars more. And and I hmm. think we did have we had some weird negotiation where I don't know he took ten dollars off and I got free popcorn or something. But yeah, um, yeah, but. But the but the idea, and he also knew. He said he asked me where I lived, and he said, um, "Yeah, you're going to have to." He said, "You're going to." There's a different extension jam on that door because those houses had this wide of yeah. uh, uh, framing or something. And I said, "Oh, all yeah. right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. the old yeah. Fr- framing yeah. was thicker." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah, and he said, "You know, they're probably not going to tell you that across the street." I said, That's right. Maybe, maybe not. And so I, you know, so it did, so it did work out, but it's, it's one of those things that, you know, is, you know, was the stuff at Sears different than the, than the company who made it? I, I don't know that they used to say that about the Sears tires that were made by Michelin and they're like, well, you know, the Michelin ones are better because they're, they're, uh, they're true mm-hmm. Michelins and the Sears tires that are made by Michelin are made for Sears. And the argument, the weird argument always was that the Sears Tire salespeople would say they're actually made better because they make them for us. Where the Michelin people wouldn't say anything. Come to find out, they were exactly the same tire. There was no difference. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the opposite what Sears did because if you noticed, Sears would put their name Kenmore on right. things. But if you ever were into things and you started working on it, you'd find out oh, this is really made by Whirlpool, right? Because in 1960. <laughs> Three or four, four. And my father and I went over to Sears and we bought a small engine, boat engine, a four yep. horsepower, yep. because it was under the five. You didn't have to register in the boat. And that white little engine had no name on it, Sears. So one time I needed something for it uh, and in research. It was a McCulloch, if you remember oh, okay. that brand. All right. yeah, yeah. You know, it was a great little motor. Yeah. It was a you know, uh, it wasn't as sophisticated as an Evan Rude with that nice throttle on it, but hey, it did the job, and it was very cheap. You know, McCulloch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I had one. I had one of their chainsaws for a long time. So I don't know. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The, no. It's it's. Uh, well, thanks for taking us down a little uh, memory lane yeah. here. Yeah. You know, one more thing. Since you had sure. a shop. Now you had a shop, right? And no, I, I well, at, no, not not really, not really. No, we, but you understand yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have yeah, worked in yeah, them and yeah, whatever. Yeah. And when I was a young kid at eighteen, there was a shop in our neighborhood, and I used to hang around. So they gave me a job helping them and get some pipe and all that. The so one thing I don't see, but this just recently, it just made me think of it today. I don't see canteen trucks anymore. <laughs> you remember they pull in? Oh yeah, and you'd yeah, wait for that yeah. coffee break at ten yeah, o'clock, no, and no. you'd get. 
You know, and these mechanics were working. They were hungry. You know, to get. I, I don't see them anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they still got to be out there somewhere. Cause, uh, yeah. but you're right. You're right. I I knew a guy who had uh, who uh, his name was George, and uh, he had yeah. four he had four canteen trucks in the day, and his uh, his whole family his whole family was you know, working for him, I think. His sister was working for him. His yeah. other sister worked in the summertime. But you're right. Maybe maybe canteen trucks have gone away. Hey, we gotta we got to get going. Yeah, okay, we're gonna take a break. okay. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. You. Uh, why don't we take a break? We've been talking for a long time. Uh, Ken from Topsfield, stay right there. We will be with you in a minute. And if you want to join us, 781-837-4900. We'll be right back. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour, 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. This is Dan Cloutier. And this is Kim Jennings. We're from from Birch Bear Records. Records. Tune into Twilight Showcase Radio. Hosted by Sandy Stride and Keith James. On 95.9 WATD and 95.9 WATD.com. Search for Twilight Showcase on Facebook and visit twilightshowcase.org. Twilight Showcase, tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program on 95.9 WATD. I have, you know, we were were chatting along there for so long, taking a... a, uh, Trip down memory lane. I forgot what time it was. I forgot to take a break. But let's uh, let's talk to Ken from Topsfield. Ken. Good morning, John Paul. I have a question on tires. All right. I I used to be just a couple of kinds of tires, but now there's a multitude of different tires. And one of the ones that I've seen in recent times, instead, there's all season. Let's say that are good in three seasons, but not winter, and there's winter tires. But now there's something that shows like a little mountain called severe snow, but right. I think they're all season. Could you talk a little bit about that? I'll hang up and just listen in. All righty. Sure enough. All right. Well, thanks, Ken. Uh, Thank yeah, you, there. Sir. All right. Yeah, there is, there is a, for want of a better word, a new style tire that is, um, like Ken pointed out, all-season tires. All-season tires, the idea behind them was when they first came out, they were going to replace your winter tires. They were going to replace your snow tires. And all-season tires did okay. They do all right. And why they do all right is because the tread, the way it's designed, is designed to self-clean. So the snow doesn't pack up in the tread, so it gives you a little bit of extra traction. Then what happens is... Um, they don't work as good in really cold weather because the rubber doesn't get soft. It gets hard, and it doesn't work as good. So winter tires, you want winter tires that are going to be good for cold temperatures as well as ice and snow. So then there's true winter tires, true snow tires, we'll call them. But their winter tires are made to work in cold, cold conditions, and they do a good job. And then... 
you really need to take them off in the summertime because they're not, they're not designed for hot weather use. They'll wear out quicker. They'll still work, but they'll wear, they'll wear out quicker. Then there is something new called a uh, kind of really an all-weather tire that has the snowflake, mountain snowflake on it, which means it's approved if you were going through, I don't know, some snowy pass somewhere where it said, you know, snow tires are required. This little mountain would allow you to go through that snowy pass. And uh, Michelin makes a, a one called Cross Climate. Um, Nokian makes one that is good for that has that same rating when we had the uh when we had the the guy on from Nokian we talked about these a little bit uh when we had uh Jay from Boston Mobile Tire we talked about them a little bit and these tires although not quite as aggressive as true winter style snow tires they will work really well and one of the one of the weird tests i saw with these tires um, was a Michelin test, and it was on. It was at an ice rink, and they took basically the rubber that they used for the cross climate tire, and the rubber they used for their regular Michelin tires, and they made them into hockey pucks. And what they did is they sort of tapped the hockey puck down the rink, and the one that was made out of regular tire material slid the whole length of the rink. The one that was made out of the rubber that the cross climate tires were, it only went partway down the rink and stopped because that rubber was stickier in the cold than the other than the other rubber tires were. So these new tires that have this sort of all-weather rating that includes the mountain with the snowflakes on it really do work like winter tires. Um, I had the opportunity at one point to try to test drive a set of the Michelin cross climate tires, and um, I passed on it because I just didn't. I don't. I, I don't know that I felt comfortable taking a set of tires. So maybe that was it. Um, and frankly, I didn't need tires for my car either. Like my my little Hyundai here has, you know, has had only maybe. 18,000 miles on it. So I'm like, eh, I don't really want to, and I'll pass on that. But, um, but the, uh, but no, they, they do work better. There's no question about it. They do work better. So, uh, if you're thinking about trying to eliminate seasonal winter changeovers, and if you do need to be out before the snow plows are out in the morning, not a bad idea. Um, you could think about those. Why don't we take another break while we have a chance? And if you would like to join us, if you'd like to join us on the phone, 781-837-4900. Phone lines are open. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We'll be back in just a minute. You're listening to Car Doctor Program on 95.9 WATD. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-hour 7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and rental cars, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join. It happens all over Massachusetts. Can you tie my shoes? In every home and every community. Be careful in your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. Hi, guys. We'll see you at practice. 
And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, DESE is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. Talk radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor, on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor. And welcome back to the car doctor program. And if you hear a little noise in the background, it is pouring rain where I am right now. So uh, if you hear a little weird noise, that's what it is. Sorry about that. I guess I'm not in that good a soundproof room here. Um, I can hear it a little bit. Can you go stand yeah. outside in the rain? Yeah, the yeah, yeah so I, could, I could if closer. you want. Yeah, yeah I right. can go stand outside in the rain if it's you want. It's great for radio. Sure. Yeah. Uh, probably better if this was video. We could do like Facebook Live while I was doing the same thing, standing outside in the rain. That would be that'd be entertaining. Yeah, I'd watch I that. Could, uh, yeah, or I could uh, go sit. I have a, I, I do own a little boat. I could go sit in the boat, which is sitting on a trailer. But, that'd be you know, fun. I, that, yeah. that would be fun. That'd you be are fun in Florida. You could fist fight an alligator. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, you know, alligators are at, uh, they're not around right now. I don't know where they are, but, uh, yeah. Well, they're not here. Uh, yeah, well, that's, that's the good news. That's the good news. Um, somebody wrote to me and said, I purchased a battery and there was a core charge of $22 on the battery. The core charge was taxed. When I gave them my old battery, I got the core charge back, but they didn't refund the tax on the core charge. That doesn't seem right. Uh, mass tax on $22 is $1.37. Not a ton of money, but no one wants to give money away like that. And um, as weird as it sounds, the core charge is part of the original price. So, as an example, when you buy something for $100 and there's a $20 core charge, the, the real value is $120, and that's what you pay the tax on. When you return the core... You're getting the value of the core, sort of a deposit, not the tax. So the value of the battery is the full price, not counting the core. That's what the taxes should be based on. Yeah. Uh, someone else kind of on that same subject says, uh, what is a shop fee supply charge besides a money grab? For example, I went and had an inspection done. My car is officially old, and I had an oil change. The oil change was advertised for a fixed price. The inspection set by the state, I was still charged $4.94 supply charge. The shop does great work. I'm happy. I'm not, um, I'm just not happy with their billing. Um, I got to tell you, I feel the same way about shop fees as I do about restaurants that add a fee to use a credit card. Um, It just bothers me. Raise your prices a little bit to cover credit card fees. Um, The shop fees, you know, based on a percentage of the bill, when I do an estimate for someone and I use uh, uh, Mitchell software, they automatically include a shop fee or a supply fee. And that's supposed to cover things like, you know, brake clean and carburetor cleaner and, you know, you go wash off parts. And I guess to some point it covers air and battery chargers. And to me it just seems nonsense. I would rather just... Figure out the cost of operating your own business, and I would rather just raise my prices a little bit 
then put down this fee that people go, what is this? And it bothers me. And again, the same thing with a restaurant. You know, if somebody wants to charge 4% more to use a credit card, even though that credit card might only cost them 1.5% more, um, raise your prices 4%. And don't put it in there because it just aggravates me. The other part of that is, I guess, if you're charging, if you're giving people the option of paying cash, could you have two sets of books? Maybe. Um, I don't know. Could be. Could be one of those weird Weird, weird things. So we have, let's um, talk to, oh, uh, where are we going here? Tom and Weymouth? Where are we going? Uh, Mike from Hanover. Mike from Hanover. Let's talk, let's do, th- let's go there. Yes, good morning. Good morning. My question relates to run-flat tires, and this just came up this morning, so I couldn't call the dealership or anything, and I looked in the manuals, and it's, there's a lot, lot in there, nothing on point. So, uh, I got the TPS, the indicator that there's low tire pressure on yep. the left front mm-hmm. tire. I checked all the, you know, I pressure. I uh, checked all the, the pressure's fine. Yep. So the light didn't go off. So I'm thinking, um, you know, is it is it like flat? And this is, I'm, I'm in that run flat category now, and I can only drive it 50 miles. So I would think they'd give you more of a extraordinary message than just the, uh, tire pressure sensor, you know, well, low. Well, if you went out there and did you actually go out there and check the tires with a tire gauge? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, if the if the tire gauge is showing 32 pounds, it's not it's yeah. not flat. Okay. Yeah, because so, yeah, a run-flat so tire... The sensor's not... Yeah, the, sensor's the, sens- bad. the, the sensor's bad. Exactly. Because yeah. the, the run-flat tire really is just a tire with an extraordinarily stiff sidewall. And why right. and why you have the um, tire pressure monitors in there is because when it has zero air in it, it'll still feel mm-hmm. pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. it'll be a little sloppy, but it'll still feel pretty good. So that way, they right. just want you to know that you have a nail in a tire or something. So chances right. are, how old the car is it? Brand new, twenty twenty four. It's got about oh, like okay. six thousand miles on. Oh, it. Oh, all right, okay. Yeah, it sounds like one of the sensors went bad. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe there's a reset procedure for it. Um, but, um, what kind of car? Yeah, I kind of looked online a little, talked about reaching under and holding a button, you know, yep. but it sounded like maybe best left for the dealer. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, what kind of car is it? Uh, Lexus, a 350 yeah. high, you know, it's got the eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not a high, it's not all electric. It's the, yeah. Hybrid. It's got the, yeah. the gas and the battery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that I think is a, um, that, that uses a direct tire pressure monitor. So that has individual sensors in each wheel and, mm-hmm. um, and they should be simple enough. They should be, you know, when they're working, they, you just air them up and the light goes out. So I yeah. think, I think maybe you just have a defective sensor. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. It's indicating the front yeah. left, a quick message yeah. flashes and yeah. check the, Tire, yeah. So. No, I, I. As long as you went out there and checked it with a gauge, you're good. Oh, yeah, I checked it, and I, you know, yeah. I had a little compressor, and I looked at yeah. all the tires. Yeah. No. Nope. Jam says 33 pounds. No. That's where we are. Yep. So. No. No, you're good. You're good. It sounds like it sounds like there's something flaky going on with one of the sensors and in that left front, right. and um, you know, they'll probably pop a new one in and try it. Very well. Thank you. Appreciate all right. you taking my call. Sure thing. Take good care. Bye bye. Yep. Yep. Well then. Uh, let's do one more weird question. This isn't a weird question, I guess. Uh, this person has a 
relatively new 2022 Ram 1500 with the 3.6 liter e-torque V6. That means it has its own little electric motor. Uh, it's developed an odd intermittent problem in normal around town driving after coming to a stop. When I lift up off the brake pedal, the truck lurches slightly, almost as a jolt, as if I'm getting a bumper tap from the car behind me. Feels like something binding, then letting go. There is nothing audible, it, but is more felt from behind the wheel. Otherwise, the truck performs flawlessly, although it does have a bit more driveline lash than the Tundra they owned before. Is this the transmission, the brakes, the drive shaft? Uh, spoken to the dealer, is this clearly covered under warranty? But because it's intermittent, I hate bringing it in and hearing we couldn't replicate it. Uh, one other data point, very fancy wording there. The truck has auto stop, but this issue only occurs when it remains running when stopped. I appreciate your input. Um, there's no bulletins that I could find. What you describe is something called trailer hitching, normally on older vehicles, but it could be on this. Um, what happens is the front drive shaft yoke, where it slides into the output shaft of the transmission, um, gets hung up. So when you come to a stop, uh, even no matter how gentle you are, when you step on the brake, the back of the car lifts up a little bit. So it pulls the drive shaft out a little because it lifts up and then when you take your foot off the brake it lowers back down so you feel it from behind and normally a um, little bit of polishing of the yoke will take care of that and then a little bit of never sees usually fixes it and usually takes care of it again odd you would see it on a 2022 but certainly possible hey that music means we need to go uh, until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Bye-bye.